Welcome to the Teach, Learn, Live podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bullard, Secretary of the Department of Education in Tasmania. Through this podcast, we're going to shed some light on how we're connecting students and young people to succeed. Every day in our classrooms, we've got teachers working hard to inspire our learners. And I see great school leaders making a real difference in many people's lives. Join me as we get to know more great teachers, curious learners and inspiring families and communities who teach, learn and live in Tasmania. Teach, learn, live Tasmania! (laughs) Welcome to the Teach, Learn, Live podcast. Today, my guests are Harry and Angela, two Year 12 students studying at Elizabeth College. We're going to talk about Harry and Angela's journey through public education in Tasmania as well as learn a little bit about their time at Elizabeth College and their goals for the future. So welcome, Harry and Angela, to the Teach, Learn, Live podcast. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Angela, do you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself? You're obviously in Year 12 at Elizabeth College. Yeah, that's it. I am very lucky and privileged to have experienced public education through my entire life. I am currently 17. I went to Moona Primary School from Kinder to Year 6 and then Ogilvy High School 7 to 10 and now like you said I'm at Elizabeth College. And Harry? Hello uh, my name's Harry I am also a year 12 at Elizabeth College I'm 18 I have been in the Tasmanian public system since I moved here from New South Wales in grade 3 I went to Newtown Primary School from grades 3 to 6 uh, Newtown High School from grades 7 to 10 and Elizabeth College from grades 11 to 12. So some people may not be aware that we have eight colleges in Tasmania and they're providing senior secondary education in years 11 and 12. I went to college and I've got some really great memories (laughs) about my time at Launceston College, but what do you like about going to college? I I really love about college the, the diversity of what you get to pick and what you get to do. High school was a really amazing experience at having a lot of support and being focused on very specific things and building up core abilities. But college is really amazing for kind of having some independence, going down your own path, doing the the subjects that you want to do, what you're really interested in, meeting like-minded people, understanding what's coming next with university, pursuing kind of connections in the community. I think it's really just that college is so focused on kind of turning a person into a young adult and helping a person get into the world. That's what makes me love it. Yeah, I agree with Harry. I think for me, at least, it really helps solidify what I wanted to do in the future and really set me up appropriately so that next year I'm equipped with the skills needed to succeed. And you don't have to wear a uniform. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do remember that. <laughs> now, obviously, we're just coming out of COVID-19 and people will know that we couldn't send uh, children and young people to school sites for a considerable amount of time. Being in year 12, I'm really interested in what you saw as the challenges of having to learn at home, but also some of the opportunities. I think for most students, and for me myself, I think it was the uncertainty that kind of made a lot of students anxious. Not only the fact that we weren't going to school, so we weren't seeing our teachers and our friends every day, it was that we were uncertain as to whether we were going to get an ATAR, as to whether we were even going to sit exams. So I think it was that uncertainty going from this year means so much to this year being a matter of, okay, am I doing my exams at the end of the year? I think for me, it helped kind of It made me really grateful for what I have at school, so my friends, my teachers, and I think that constant connection, even if it was online, was really helpful. 
Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. And I'd also say the the challenge of being very self-directed and learning at your own pace at home because you'd have classes with your teacher online or you might have someone who's updating resources for you on something for you just to read. But ultimately, there's no real way a teacher can look at you and see hey, maybe you should be doing this. So it's, it's all up to you at the end of the day. And that was that's a challenge. And I think some people did struggle with it because it, it, it's a skill that has to be developed. And I think that's definitely something that should be focused on now that we're all back. But it was, it was really good. Being able to do it was a really amazing thing for learning a skill that I'm sure it's going to have to be used a lot in the future. Did it provide you with a better understanding of the skill of teachers? Absolutely. Definitely. I think... For me, it really consolidated this idea that my teachers are always there to constantly support me. And not only academically, but also emotionally and mentally as well, because obviously being at home is completely different to being situated in a school environment. And I think the teachers really understood that. And I think they kept checking in on us and it was really quite comforting to know that there was always someone there to support us, both yeah. academically and emotionally that that skills teachers because I think they do an amazing job in person but I think it was also really demonstrated how quickly they adapted to completely new style of teaching publishing new resources adapting the way that they marked assignments um, that like had to be filled in by hand it was it was a really quick transition I found to something that ended up actually not disrupting like my pace through the, the school year's content so I think the talent of teachers does need to be acknowledged Which there. I think eased anxiety as well. Definitely. And kind of eased a lot of that uncertainty that we were feeling as year, year 12s. You've both had outstanding careers in public education. You've both told me that you've been to different public schools. What do you think the opportunities are that public education has provided you? For me, I think just generally, before I get into the specifics, I think it has really helped me be situated with a whole range of different people, not only teachers but students as well. I found myself making friends with people from different cultures, different backgrounds, and I think that's really beneficial because it often is reflective of not only our society but also the workforce as well, which is the next step after Year 12. And I think, for me specifically, in Year 10 and Year 11 and 12, I think it's helped solidify what I want to do, which is law arts hopefully. Um, <laughs> and I think that's through opportunities like performing arts. I was involved in the musical last year, which really helped me gain quite a lot of confidence in my ability academically and socially. And I think opportunities like Tournament of Minds. I went to Darwin in year 10 after winning states. And I think that was really important because it introduced me to a whole other group of people from different states around the nation. And that really helped me gain confidence in myself. I think on a similar track to Ange around the idea of diversity, I think I've been involved in a lot of leadership roles throughout public education and I think being involved in leadership in a system like this means that you have to work with a lot of different people and you have empathy for what other people are going through and you understand what's, what's happening and what they're affected by. And I think that's something inherent in itself that's really valuable just to be able to connect with the people around you, whoever they might be. And I think that public education has also had some really, really amazing opportunities for me. In grade 10, I went to Poland to attend the climate conference, the, the international negotiations following Paris on climate change. And that was facilitated through two public schools. All the, all the fundraising was done through the community or through a grants process. And it just kind of showed that 
the public schools isn't just isn't just a system at the end of the day it's also people who are willing to support it and a whole community surrounding it so I think I think that's really what kind of embodies public schools to me the community and the ways you can interact and learn from others we've all had teachers that inspire us so thinking about those teachers what is it that's been really inspiring in the way that they've interacted with you and supported you Yeah, Harry and I were talking about this on the way down, actually, and we were discussing significant teachers um, in our life, in our schooling. And we were even getting down to the primary school years because I think it's so evident when a teacher is so passionate and you can see it and it's so visual and so prominent. And I think, for me, it's when the teacher obviously cares about your academic ability but they also go that step further and they recognize okay this person is a student but this person is also a person with feelings and emotions and I think when they start to consider okay well all of my teachers do this but when they start to consider okay this person is a person with emotions with feelings and they take that extra step further and constantly check up on you and I think when a teacher truly cares that's and you can see that it's quite visible reflective. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I think some teachers are just so dedicated to what they're doing beyond the job that they're hired for, but in educating and, you know, bringing another generation um, into the world. And like my teachers, I've probably had an incredibly significant teacher at every stage of the public school system. And it's probably put me on more of a STEM path because, but also in combination with humanities, um, because a teacher I had when I was in grade five talked to me very much about things like civics and citizenship and also investigative skills and science. And these were things that just really captured my attention. And she put me in um, competitions and helped me kind of excel and do extra things that weren't necessarily just a part of the school curriculum but were things I could do on top of that, things that would further my own passions. And I think teachers all along the way have done that and helped me grow not just uh, my marks on paper, but who I was as a person. So certainly a theme of understanding you as a person, Mm -hmm. not just as a student, Mm -hmm. and being able to use some of that intrinsic motivation and interest to compel and support you to learn. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So both in Year 12 transition point as you move to the end of this year and think about what next what is next for each of you so I'm quite passionate about the environment and protecting it and being involved in things like negotiations around it and policy I'm not really sure what kind of path I want to go down so that's why I like the idea of doing a dual law science degree focusing in on environmental issues so that I can have some flexibility anywhere from politics to like law itself to even pure science and research because that's I think that's really where I want to make a difference in the world and I I want to pursue that Um, maybe that'll be Utah's maybe that'll be a mainland uni there's still a little bit of uncertainty with what some unis are offering at the moment but I think that's definitely been fostered by the experiences I've had in the public school system yeah I think like Harry I'm still kind of looking for a degree that offers me some flexibility so that I have more and more choices so I don't have to make anything specific at the moment but I think for me at the moment I'm really passionate about human rights and equality specifically for gender equality and I think I'm looking into going into law arts specifically into gender studies and um, international relations so like I said like Harry said um, he discussed policy making and politics, so I'm looking into that kind of stuff as well. But I have nothing really set in stone, and I think, like Harry said, 
my public school education has really helped me foster a love for making a difference and a love for looking at diversity and thinking where are the inequalities and how can we fix that. So you've both identified issues that you're passionate about. If you're my age, which is significantly more than yours, what things do you think you'll still be wanting to learn about and know about as lifelong learners? Look, I think um, with with movements uh, that are like incredibly topical at the moment, with things like Black Lives Matter, it's shown that a lot of social issues require kind of a learning continuously throughout your life. And I think I don't think there's ever going to be a point where I'm not going to want to or need to learn more about what's kind of happening in the world, how people are being disadvantaged, and how I personally can help. I think there's also things I'd love to pursue as interests. I do things this year which. I don't know if I'll continue in like the, maybe the first degree I do at um, uni, but I love things like physics. Um, I love things around like astronomy and space. So I, I think there's, I'm always going to have a little bit of a hobby and a, a, a casual reading of those things alongside very topical world issues. Yeah, I agree with Harry. I think those inequalities that we're talking about are always going to exist, unfortunately. And I think while we can diminish them and we can make them smaller, I think it is a matter of learning more and more so that we can be educated to fight against them and make those problems smaller. But while they exist, it is a matter of learning and staying educated. And I think we can all do that as a society, regardless of whether we're 18 or my mother's age of 45. Still younger than me. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, we're going through a time of great uncertainty and it's easy to feel that life is really complex, but what excites you about the future? Good question. Yeah, really good question. I think what I'm witnessing as a young person is that there's such a big movement happening at the moment in terms of, yes, environmental stuff, gender stuff, but just in general, people are looking towards a very progressive society and that really excites me, that people want a little bit of change and I think that will happen in our generation. I, I always think that advances in science and you know, research and finding just more stuff about space is very cool and I, I love that we're on the brink of space exploration. I think that's, it's, that, that makes me very excited. Um, but I definitely think that the, the thing that definitely excites me the most about the future is just being in a room with a lot of passionate young people who go to the public system, maybe, maybe not, but you exist in a space with them and you could just feel the energy and the want to make things better and to truly care and have empathy for others around them. And that kind of passion is what just really makes me excited to see what happens in the future and gives me hope that the complexities of the current world can be dealt with. I think my next question is uh, almost redundant because I think we've almost answered it by being being lucky enough to listen to, to both of you and your views. But why do you think it's important that as a Department of Education, but also as a state government, we listen to the voices of young people? I think youth represent the up-and-coming leaders of not only Australia, but the world. And I think our views are often reflective of what we want to see in the future. And I think by listening to that, you're you have the power in this situation. I'm yet to vote. I know Harry can, which is exciting. But I think you have the power to reflect what we want as individuals to see in our society in the future. And I think because you have that power, listening to us, 
will help better the society and make sure that it's reflective of not only what we want, but what will be beneficial for society in the future. I, I definitely think there's an aspect of young people are going to be one of the biggest stakeholders to consider in issues that are going to impact um, the future, whether it is aspects of inequality, whether it's something like climate change. And so I think that considering that they're one of the groups that's going to be the most infected is one of the reasons that they should be listened to because it's ultimately their futures that are being decided. But, but I also do think that young people should be listened to because a lot of young people really do want to engage and are um, passionate about politics and I know it's a little bit of a running joke about uh, wanting to vote sometimes and how excited <laughs> it is but uh, I genuinely do look forward to yeah, when I can cast a ballot and have a bit more of a say in society and connecting with politicians and stuff so yeah I think that young people definitely want to open a two-way street of discourse. Yes and I'll just add to that I think that by understanding your vision for the future, it also then provides us with really good guidance about the skills and Absolutely. capabilities that we need to foster in young people in public education so that you can deliver that future, which I think is, is a great opportunity. So both been at school, you're now coming to the end, so you're the perfect punters to answer this question. Looking all the way back over your years of schooling, what's one thing that you change about school? I think for me, as I've gotten older, I've recognised the discrepancies between what the school tend to idolise, so like marks and that kind of that kind of stuff. And a lot of students, specifically from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, their means to achieve it. And I think looking towards the future as the education department what might be a focus is looking at ways we can close the gap between privileged and underprivileged kids. Because I think that's still very evident in the schooling system, especially in light of, in regards to the COVID-19 situation, I think the disparities between privileged kids and underprivileged kids was quite visible. But unfortunately, those discrepancies existed prior to COVID-19. And I think they still exist now um, and how do we close that gap I don't know but I think that's something that needs to be focused on into the future and I think that's something I've started to recognise as I've gotten older but I've also recognised that they existed when I was in primary school when I was in high school but perhaps because I've been quite sheltered in my environment it makes it quite difficult to recognise those discrepancies but they definitely exist and they need need to be focused on into the future. Yeah, and I think we both say it's coming from like quite a position of privilege even mm. within like the, the public school system of our ability to kind of have had like a very separate study space during COVID-19 to do our work and to exist without our family bothering us or without having <laughs> have a responsibility to do something or not having any capability to do so. I think perhaps for me the thing I'd like to bring up is maybe a bit more around mental health and I think schools have public schools have done really great steps in implementing guidance counsellors and school psychologists into the school environment and I know people have accessed them and really benefited from them I think that the problem in a lot of cases isn't actually 
the fact that those resources aren't there but that people don't perceive them as accessible. And I think that some schools could go to greater efforts to kind of educate um, their students on that those are available for them when they should access them so they don't feel like they're being a hypochondriac for wanting to Which talk about something. Which will also reduce stigma. And I think yeah. that's a major problem as well, that people often stigmatise wanting to get help or gaining help. And I think by, like Harry said, increasing education around mental health, you will diminish those problems um, and the stigma that's surrounding them, which will not only benefit the people that are being troubled by those things and struggling with mental illness, but it will also benefit the greater community as well. Particularly when you look at the way that a lot of students have to deal with um, mental health concerns at the moment, where they often end up going to their friends for support because they're the people they feel like they can open up to the most about things. And it's, it's definitely good that they talk to someone, but the problem is that the friend can't really pass them along to someone that could help them even more Um, and so the friend kind of has to end up being a psychologist without any training and kind of causing harms for both parties so yeah I, I think it's I think it's less that those things don't exist and more just the accessibility and perceived ability to get and also recognizing that everyone struggles at some point i think we all we often find ourselves idolizing certain people and not recognizing that they are actually struggling with stuff behind the scenes as well and i think it's by increasing that education you'll like i said be able to destigmatize that stuff but you'll also be able to recognize that people struggle and people aren't perfect yeah I think that both of your reflections are absolutely on the money. You've got a strategic plan and the two things, two of the four goals, one is wellbeing and recognising that we need to support each and every learner's wellbeing to learn and that we come from different starting places. But the other one is access and participation. And certainly I agree with you that through COVID it was laid bare that Children and young people have very different starting points for being able to learn, whether it's digital devices, whether it's having a safe and secure learning space, whether it's having enough food on the table and that needing to look at how we level that playing field, I think is an absolute priority that we need to pursue. So we're coming to a close, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask me a question, but (laughs) it has to be a two-way conversation and you've been fantastic guests. Um, yeah, I was wondering, this, this is probably quite a quick question, but kind, kind of just to sum up what we've been talking about here today, is there, is there a message you'd like to tell students in Tasmania after COVID-19 at the moment, maybe Year 12 students, maybe something we could tell like our friends, is, is there a message you'd like to convey to the student body? Absolutely, and one thing I'll say is you both talked about having anxiety around the end of the year, and my message to you is it's not your problem to sort out. So there are a lot of good minds putting a lot of energy into working out what end of year assessment would look like and how you will be treated fairly and by fairly I mean you will be treated in a way that allows the loss of learning or the barriers to learning to be taken into account in your end of year assessment. So if I had to say one thing that's what I'd say. Young people in year 12 it's actually not your problem to sort this out we're working on it. That's comforting. So thanks, Harry and Angela, for joining me today. I've been really inspired by your journey in public education, and in particular, I've really loved your reflections on the opportunities that it's provided to you to meet broad group of people, understand how the world works, and also access a really great range of subjects. 
And I feel really fortunate that we've got young people like you who are going to be the next generation of people that are leading Tasmania. So thanks for your time. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for having us. I hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast. To hear more about those people who teach, learn and live in Tasmania, join us at www.education.tas.gov.au forward slash podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why not subscribe so that you can keep up to date with what we're doing? Or if you have a story about an inspiring teacher or student, email us at teachlearnlive at education.tas.gov.au.